0: <clears throat> so the Buddha's essential um, teaching and kept pointing out the teaching is for the welfare of humans um, our welfare <coughs> uh, to end uh, stress, suffering, incompletion um, things not being right, completed, finished a nagging sense <clears> to <throat> so end that that quality of you know, restless search. Sense of completion mm. consummation or so in is sometimes referred to as a consummation. Things are finally completed. There's no more to keep pushing for or trying to add to or mm. and you notice this is in fact, the nature of experience, or really experiencing, is there's a little bit more going on, isn't it? Mm. This, mo- rest, this movement called uh, samsara means an endless moving on. There's a moving on. Now, uh, ex- we are referring to experience, actually, it's probably better to talk about experiencing because experience itself is not static; it's dynamic. It's a, it's a constant unfolding, or c- congesting, or moving, or shifting subtly, strongly. Mm? Is there anything static in really in experience? Mm?
1: Yeah.
0: Your experience.
1: Mm?
0: That's the only static thing, Is a sense, some fake sense of a me trying to, trying to sort it out. <laughs> and then you thought, where's that? And you realise that, when you feel it, that is actually uh, a kind of um, a creation. Mm. You can feel an energy holding. Yeah. And even that isn't really static because it's constantly shifting and... Is it this? Is it that? How am I with this? Can I? What do I do now? It's it's ne- itself, it's never um, actually static. But we loosely talk about it as static. It's, oh, here I am, here's me again. This is the sense of what's called ignorance or iwija, just not really being in touch with how it actually is. It does mean a lack of information, it means iwija is associated with not really seeing things clearly or even being fully in touch with what is what's happening which is things are experiences moving the experiencer is moving the apparent separate experiencer is moving it's, it's the in fact the experience is not separate the experience is part of the experience and the nation's experience is a continual dividing isn't it, into there's me some sense of me which you know it changes but it keeps happening <laughs> and there's a the world or reality or whatever you know or something and that's always changing this it's kind of dividing into a a sense of a me me and an it and this is called the this dividing process sankara formations something being formed something being formed into an apparent entity Mm. The world, one thing; me, one thing; you, one thing; me, one thing; me, one thing; my mind, one thing; me, one thing; my body, one thing. Yeah, you know. So it's well, it's on a microcosmic or a or a, a larger level. This this sort of sankara activation process keeps forming entities mm, or sub- or substances. Mm. Um, and uh, this in consciousness itself is experienced as uh, a seen and a seer, roughly speaking, a sound and a listener,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. a thought, a witness to the thought. So this, this is consciousness is also in this dividing form. This is <clears throat> and um, you know that's that's actually rather like you know a boat going through water. It's constantly carving a wake, you know, constantly carving through the water. Actually, you can see that that pattern forming at the bow, where things are, the water is dividing, and then behind is trails. And so, mm, and so actually we can see, even though the, the, we can say that point of reference is pretty... you can contemplate it then really the processes occurring are constantly moving yeah. there's the sound, there's the me listening there's the uh, sensation, there's the me feeling it uh, there's a thought, there's the me thinking it and it's all these processes interweave I'm thinking about the sound I just heard and wondering what it means and yet there's still the me and the experience but actually the me bit is part of the experience can't be separated from it so when we are in a way trying to deal with our experience and it's whether it's domestic spiritual profound humbly mundane (laughs) however it is, internal, external we think, well I've got to sort this out well, yeah, but actually probably what needs to be sorted out is the me (laughs) not just the thing but the me, you know, because they're not separate and so often this is the piece that's ignored, you know I will work this out figure this out, plan this, and I'm not really the awareness isn't there that the me who's trying to sort it out is part of the conundrum and if we're a little lighter around that attitude that process of how i you know work something out find peace of mind get happy clear my life up find the answers to my issues Uh, You know, if I'm a bit clear about that, the holistic nature of that, and begin to recognise, well, that's that's okay. You know, but actually, just widen a little, contemplate that pattern, and taking the whole of it, the me sense, which can be sometimes exasperated. Oh dear, how does this work? You know. Uh, sometimes kind of pushy, forceful, come on sometimes, oh I don't know what to do honestly you know, <laughs> defeated <laughs> uh, sometimes, well maybe I'll just go and do something else instead distracting Yeah. and we say just, just bring those two together stay in touch
1: mm?
0: stay in touch so then in a way just by that, bringing things back into touch, what we're doing is beginning to deactivate the division process, and the division process is is makes these. Um, deep issues or deep topics which come up pretty unsolvable. Mm. Unresol- unresolved, they don't come to completion, they come to being shelved, being fixed, being you know but then they sort of well up again. Mm. So they one from that position of the separate self there's things, certainly things we can do that uh, you know, check things or halt things, but essentially, the experience of the oh, this is another. All right, well then what next? Then oh well, that's again. There's another person bothering me, and you know, <laughs> these the essential fretfulness of samsara still is there.
1: Yeah.
0: It's still mm-hmm. nagging somewhere. Yeah. Mm. So this is a kind of counterintuitive, and dukkha, incomplete, unsatisfactory, unresolved, uh, and Buddha called it's the no a noble truth. I mean you might think I don't think it's very noble about it, <laughs> but it is a noble truth because rather than it, it if it's properly process, then the Buddha said this has to be um, thoroughly known, not changed, not fixed, not sorted out, but thoroughly known, so we go into it and we deepen into it. Whether it's something like a, you know, even a simple ailment, you know, trying to get rid of this dang thing, bothering, you know, and then I'll be okay. And just, just deepen into the sense of an ailment, I don't want to be like this, kind of half, not fully there, you know. And here it is. It's it's. There's something to be learned here. And this is the nature of the body. Uh, not to be just philosophical about it, but what has to be relaxed, what has to be let go of. The identity of being someone who can do things, a healthy person, someone who's keeping up with the rest. Oh, that treasured peace has to be relaxed. You know? So every time we, we meet, properly meet, suffering what occurs is a little bit of our identity package has to soften and shift and change and become perhaps more wide more generous more encompassing so in a way it isn't nobler in that we become grander you know and bigger i have now the space to accept unpleasant feeling the space to accept i can't do everything i want to do the space to accept, I can't fix everything I want to fix the space to be present with my limitations and so on, without oh how can I get, how can I make it, you know another way and in that uh, there's a sense of, there's a little bit of enlightenment there, actually there's a sense of relief in some way there's a sense of you know dispassion. The the nagging frenzy dissolves. It's like this. And it's not self. It's not you that is stuck. It's not you it's not even happening to you. It's it's a uh, these are formations. And sometimes just even recognising as one way of coming coming out of this me trance, everybody gets this, everybody gets the essentially the frustration, the problem I can't solve, the thing that breaks down, the mysterious issue, the strange, unexplicable, whatever, the frustrating, annoying <laughs> thing that shouldn't be this way everybody gets this in essence yeah oh, this is part of the package okay this is part of the you know they used to have a game on I don't know if they still have it on british television called it's a knockout where these people had to go through an obstacle course squeezing themselves down tubes and there's a competition with all these various obstacles you had to squeeze down tubes and climb over trapezes and the idea was you know you go through all these obstacles and I don't think this is really like a presentation of life. <laughs> so this is the course, you know. And but unfortunately, nobody told you <laughs> that it was just a setup. <laughs> you thought it was some kind of real thing. <laughs> it's actually just a setup, just to see if you're for you to get wound up about and get frustrated by and beat your head against them <laughs> and get stirred up about i <laughs> and make into an identity, you know. I'm a failure, I'm a this, I'm a... No, this is just the experience of can't get what I want. <laughs> can't have things the way I want them to be. <laughs> Can you you know? Uh, this is something I'd rather enjoy Oh, it's gone. It's... oh dear, back again, you know. This is this is the it's just another you know, another mask over these these fundamental qualities of Dukkha and so we begin to actually, that's what it is see through the mirages and actually the heart becomes more generous, more sensitive, more skillful actually and we begin to get a sense of the origin of um, this conflict, a you know, conflict, and essentially it's the, something called thirst, dhanha, <coughs> the thirst for something to, some quality or some aspect of experience to fill me up and um, to take away that, that nagging bit. Is there a Something I can consume, to take in, that will take that away. Whether it's a uh, food, you know, sensual objects, essentially, something I could put in there to to take that away. So it's this is kind of pulling, and <coughs> very major for pulling is the pulling to become something, to form. A solid entity who is free from suffering. Sounds convincing enough, doesn't it? It sounds quite legitimate um, aim. Let us all aspire to, f- to complete freedom of suffering. That's what it says. But it doesn't say let us all aspire that we can be, be people who have no suffering. <laughs> it says let us aspire to the release of suffering and this is to do with the release of self, release from self with its narrowness and its demands and its limitations and its low tolerance and its, you know, all that, mm. that experience, mm. this thirst to be something, the thirst to get away from something from having to be associated with you know, painful bits and pieces and um, unresolved topics and so forth you know, let me get away from it and even in meditation this becomes these energies take over um, and in a way that's fair enough you uh, do need, we do need to become a little more solid, stable collected uh, and begin to recognize that that which gathers and collects and stabilizes actually is not an entity, it's an energy.
1: Mm.
0: So as an energy we call Samadhi, collectedness, uh, where there's a sense of energies gathering uh, an embodiment energy becoming more stable, more, more uh, unified, more alive, but that's not a, that's not a person there. Actually, when you look at it, it's not even really a, a physical body. There, there's an embodiment energy that begins to gather and collect, and feels pleasant. Yeah. Uh, but for an aware or awakened person, does never uh, ascribe to the notion "I have got this, I have made this, I have become this." To say this is what arises. It's arisen because of the absence of. Um, you know, diversification, the absence of this breaking up, scattering of, of into various objects, the sense of relinquishment of that, therefore this is what occurs. It's quite a natural process. Yeah? If we stop being disunified, we will, if unification occurs. Yeah? And how do we become disunified? Because we chase this in the future, remember that in the past, hope for that thing to arrive, Stop, yeah. We break up, our experience breaks up into past, future, self, other, should, shouldn't, want, don't want. It breaks up into these various, yeah, Exper- sub experiences. Yeah? If that can be relinquished, that all this breaking up into past, future, self, other, so on what I should be what I'm not. Mm. If all that breaking up can be just held carefully and steadied and breathed through, it starts to dissolve and melt into a into a unity, mm. present, present, present. Mm. So the experience of collectedness Samadhi unification is, is very valuable because within that there can be an experience which is so a lot of the personal personality issues personal stuff is isn't there you know. there's still some sense of being you know, of being something but you know the thought process is slowed down we're not planning we're not organizing we're not remembering we're not squabbling. With somebody or longing for something or, you know, all that begins to relax. And there's a sense of unity which was very pleasant. And it begins to help to allay our expectation and our thirst for objects to go out to. Because as soon as we create some object to go out to, there the split starts happening again. There's me chasing that. There's me wanting that. There's me fighting that. Whether that happens to be a person, a topic, a scenario, you know, whatever that object is, there's the me in some dynamic with it, and it, everything is, keeps moving. Nothing settles. Hmm? And it's the beginning to see that the essential thing in the me-object relationship is neither the me nor the object, but the relationship of conflict. Separation, exasperation, craving, you know, the relationship. Now, if that relationship can be, it's like this. You know, this energy is pouring out and breathing in, breathing out. The relationship gives the ease up, where instead of constantly dividing, sankaring away, we begin to de- deconstruct that. Then things come together naturally. They stop dividing. And it feels good. And you begin to really enjoy that degree of calm and ease and peace in the here and now that, that provides. Pretty essential reference. Just to oh there's this also, this also can be experienced.
1: Hmm.
0: and this also can be experienced and it's hmm. the way it's experienced is through some kind of relinquishment that's an interesting one relinquishment of the future of the past of you know all the things i could be doing a gentle sense of now, just put that aside. It's this gesture of relinquishment it begins with something called viveka. We step back, we widen, we relinquish and let go of things. And that process is moderated gradually because we begin to use a simple technique that allows us to feel enough sense of steadiness and happiness and you know, presence to be able to let go of the things that normally we're asking to fill us up or hold us together give us solidity so that you, know, when you in order to realise or experience relinquishing you have to be held by something else that takes away that restless Reflex to have something to hold on to. You understand? And it's pretty simple arithmetic. You know, you could say, "Well, I could spend a few hundred rand or whatever it is, thousand rand or something, go and get one of those." Might take me an hour or so to drive there, get it, buy it. Yeah, really feel good for, oh, a good, half an hour, an hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I could sit here and spend half an hour, an hour, not buying anything, not going anywhere, and relinquishing, which would make me feel peaceful for something more long lasting and sustained. That isn't, and it's not just that it's, it's a pleasant abiding, it's also transformation of one's one's reflexes. You begin to learn on a gut level you can trust relinquishment. It doesn't make you barren, it makes you richer. <clears throat> Now the process of, or this this quality called sankara formation. That which gives things makes things into forms, separate forms. It's a strange notion. Comes from the root ka ka to make, kara to act, to make. Sun, that which is conjoined to making, it's a, it's a maker of things, mm. it's a former of things, it's an action that forms experience, it's their forming,
1: mm.
0: and the uh, uh, it's an energy that creates forms, that forms things, such as there's an energy that gets us thinking, creates these subtle mental forms we call thoughts, mm. thoughts are a form. You know, not a physical form, but you can reckon, oh, there's that thought. And some thoughts, you, when you feel them, that's a lumpy thought, isn't it? Or a lovely, smooth, glossy thought. <laughs> or a, 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 a sort of jumpy thought. They have a certain... Uh, uh, you can know them. You can know, I mean, not just the idea, but the, the experience of thought. You can feel heavy, Buoyant, it has a certain uh, quality to it. It's it's an object of mind, simple, and um, this is called form formed, formed in the that which comes through the ability to conceive, creates thought forms. Mm. Also, there's what's called jhitasankha, which is the ability to generate. Heart forms. Now, heart forms are can be considered as memories, intuitions, emotions, resolves, resolutions, determinations. Um, you yeah, know, something generates all this. Our heart activity. Now, heart activities is certainly not just purely emotion, but it's also drive. It's also volition. I want that. It's desire. It's um, everything that kind of moves on an immaterial level apart from thought. It moves us. Mm -hmm. So you could say emotions are part of it, impulses are part of it, um, aims are part of it, Mm -hmm. subtle, gross and so these are called jitta-sankhara. The forms that arise in the heart then we have the bodily Sankara which is the forms that arise within this embodiment experience and the embodiment experience if you deal with it directly is generating this sense of having a body being in a body and that is uh, an energy, certain energies that keep giving this internal impression of a, a presence, a solidity, a warmth, a flowing is this. This is the body, it's not a thought. And so this isn't to do with the visual experience of the body, but the direct in-your-body experience of the body. So this is constantly generating this experience, and the internal generator of that, the centre of it, is it lines itself around breathing in, breathing out. These are not good or bad, they're just, uh, this is the forms and our practice is to meet those handle those you know recognize this is you know how they interplay i get certain impulse reactions to my bodily senses i get certain emotional reactions to my thoughts i get certain thoughts about my emotions i get certain confusion confused thoughts about you know so they they interact with each other and this this can proliferate a lot you know? The message, the, the underlying message behind that underlying message is find something satisfactory, solid, pleasant to stick to. And uh, this is the... we don't really recognize that message underneath all the activities that are going on. But when you contemplate any of these sankara, these simple natural formative tendencies, you see, well, actually everything is moving, isn't it? There's no such thing as a breath, there's a breathing, and that breathing is subtly fluctuating, changing. There is no such thing as a fixed body, it's just, you know, energy's moving, changing, happy, unhappy, stuck, bright, flaring, dull, stale, brilliant, clear, radiant, you know, it's just that, there isn't a fixed thing isn't such a fixed thing as a state of mind there are different states of mind playing overlapping sometimes welling up sometimes impulsively welling up sometimes slowly creeping up sometimes shifting it's like this and you know where's the substance in that Mm. This knowing of insubstantiality or impermanence gives rise to a sense of great dispassion. Mm. Always like this. It's not self. There's nothing really need to cling to or hold on to. Um, And this allows these uh, forms to begin to come into harmony rather than you know, because we're not then we're not putting this tanha thirst energy into them. Simply speaking, you know, because perhaps the most you know, the things that I'm not really I'm no longer trying to control my thoughts <coughs> or participate in them or give them a lot of credence, they're just energies moving. Um, the articulation process, the process of forming thoughts is there. It's just like clouds in the sky. Mm. Becomes more di- when you become more dispassionate towards your thinking process, it tends to lose energy, or the energy of it begins to settle, and you find thinking sort of fades out. Mm. As long as you're having issues with your thinking, then, or you're you know, putting energy into it, well, then it doesn't fade out. And sometimes, of course, yeah, we do need to put energy into thinking. It's not that one shouldn't, but that one should have some say over it. So it's time to, this thinking is going nowhere, it's pointless, it's causing me difficulties, it's conflict. Lose interest in it. So the process of Viveka and dispassion is one way, you, you begin to kind of step back from the narrative of your thought You know, the engagement with the narrative and the sense that if I keep doing this it will come to completion. Well, it doesn't. It just hops to the next topic to think about. It doesn't arrive. It doesn't come up with the goods. It says, follow me, I'm taking you to clarity. This is the way to clarity and decision. This is the way to the final answer. This is the way, gang. Let's go this way, and you follow your beloved leader. And you go over, and then it's just over the hill, just round the corner. Another one, and we go. And you're thinking, This is fake, it's not going to get there. <laughs> I mean, do you, sometimes you just notice how many times you've had that same thought <laughs> about a problem or a difficulty, and, and you, you're still putting energy into it if it would actually get somewhere. And so this becomes increasingly called process called nipita, which means you become less fascinated by it, it's just you know, just the that process. Losing interest in it. An emotional withdrawal from it. Like now you're in the next room looking at that thought, bubbling away thinking, well oh, look at that go, wow. It certainly moves along, doesn't it? There it goes. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: There it is, thoughts. but Everybody gets this, yeah, you bet they do. And uh, so it's not just the detachment in a cold way, it's a sense of just losing engagement with it. And sometimes this helps if you contemplate the thought just as the movement of energy running and rippling, and just go lightly with the topic. Mm. I mean this actually is profound work because those topics can be extremely steeped in meaning and purpose and urgency mm. and it's that that inner quality of the, the emotion in it that keeps it so running and you so you need to just really hand, come into the emotion within the thought the pressure the frustration the you know I really want and you've got to almost address that emotion. Yeah. It's, yeah, sure. You want, sure. You need resolution. Sure, you need clarity. This is the wrong vehicle to be riding. You know, you, you want to go in the right direction, but this one isn't going to get you there. Please come here instead.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so often we're we're trying to answer questions or answer issues from the wrong place we're trying to answer them in our heads and the answer isn't found there. The real answer the theoretical answer is well what you need to do is just let go what you need to do is just calm down obviously what you need to do is just you know just get rid of that. What you need to do is you know theoretically it's all there but no that isn't the real thing the real thing is resolving the emotional push with it so we begin to through the act of disengagement it's not by any means dissociating or splitting off from a real topic it's just coming out of the mirage and seeing the real issue in it I am confused I don't like confusion Okay, that's the topic, isn't it? <laughs> I'm uncertain. I don't like uncertainty. I like certainty. That's the topic. Yeah. Okay. So, when you this is process of coming into this is called deep attention. Yeah. So you're not just giving superficial attention. We just bounce along on the same track. But deep attention coming under the skin of the thought, you might say, into the, into the heart of it. In the end, what's propelling that. And it takes you into just the heart. Uh, and that's the place where this can be resolved, come to consummation. Through two pr- primary processes, one is the samadhi process, samatha process, and one is the wisdom process. Samadhi process is one whereby we, f- we experience the sense of confusion or loss or disappointment or whatever it is, I can't make it, I can't do it, I can't understand it, we experience that kind of, uh, 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 and we take it into the heart and be present with that. Embrace that. Stop dividing. Sankara divides it, cuts it up into thoughts and should be in projected future resolutions. Stop dividing it, deconstruct that and embrace it in the heart. Like it's some strange orphaned mongrel that you're taking in. the sound of your disappointment, you're taking it in, the sound of your, your apparent incompleteness, you're taking it in, the sound of your, the, the scrabbling of your frustration, you're taking it in, yeah. scratching at the door, you take it in, instead of keep pushing it away, you take it in, and breathing through, breathing through. So the essential quality of the breath, breathing formation, is it gives one the sense of a a a stability that's not rigid, it's a dynamic flow, a vitality that's flowing through these somewhat afflicted, stuck places. And so we start to loosen up from our habitual clench. And the habitual clench with our dukkha is... Stop! Get out! Stop! Shut! Shut! Stop! Get out! Make it another way. That it should stop. Get out! <laughs> Go away! <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you. Get out! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, the, but the breath doesn't do that. It just comes kind of rolling through, yeah. and it starts to soften some of that uh, clench experience in the citta, because the citta heart and the body are resonant with each other. Mm -hmm. And when the in that place of the heart, when the You know, when that essential friction between my apparent self and and the disappointment or the problem begins to soften, there's a transformation, change can occur. We become more broad, more compassionate, more open, less fixated, less, uh, I've got to have it this way, and we're able to open to life. And it's because it's not self, it's not the way I want it to be. Now, saying, you know, it's not the way I want it to be sounds like, you know, as if we're condemning ourselves to eternal misery or, oh well, what can you do, shrug, give up. No, it's not that. It's not the way I want it to be, but it's the way it is. And something can change here. And what can change here (laughs) is the I. And this is the the, uh, unerring beauty of that particular truth. Something can be abandoned. And it's this uh, thirst to create a separate self Mm -hmm. something stops and still that's an experience Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's not. There's no experience, there's the experiencing of that stopping of the movements and the formations. And that experience can't really be, you can't define it because you can't make an object out of it. As soon as you make an object then that whole process of Sankara starts up again. Oh that was nice, I've got that, how can I have that again? I think I got there then. Well, there it goes. <laughs> so yeah. so the, the, the quality of wisdom is beginning to see how that happens and what this signifies in terms of how we live our lives, how how we meet experience
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Sensing the reality of it is this this constant forming, and you know as it said, not self, impermanent. Those are the key words. To it. Something, the key words, just like the key in the door, and the key in the door is never. There's no key that's as big as a door. So you look at this door. That's a big door, you know. This enormous door must weigh half a tonne, that door. And it's this tiny little key. This? (laughs) This thing? (laughs) And you turn it. Oh, the door opens. And the keys are these kind of rather not-self, impermanent. What's that going to do? Doesn't sound very interesting. You turn it. And the door opens. And... You know, there's that there's that openness, that space. To meet what arises. Now, generally the hot point for us is exactly in the heart. This is what it all comes down to, the bodily experience that we're trying to strengthen, encourage and grow and enrich is to support this process of liberation of heart, liberation of citta. This, the Buddha, is one definition of what's meant by enlightenment, liberation of the citta. And the bodily thing, cultivations are there to provide the strength, the capacities, the encouragement, the nursing, the you know, support for that liberation. And we might say the nexus of what occurs in the citta, I've loosely called it feeling, but if we look at that, the English word feeling and we start to actually look at it from Buddhist perspective, there are three particular features there. One is literally feeling itself, which is just the quality of agreeable or disagreeable. How is this striking? Hmm? And there's a quality called perception, which is to do with the meaning, the impression, um, which could be anything from um, uh, visual mean a visual impression, like oh, is that memory of my son, my friend, my partner, my dead so and so, the impre- or it could be oh, that sense of here I am again, you know, impression of myself, perception of myself. As being a certain way, so we carry around a lot of these little identity cards in our chittas. This is what I am, this is me, you know, this is what I am. (laughs) Uh, uh, And they're not necessarily always that pleasant or attractive. Perceptions of self, perceptions of other, Um, perceptions (coughs) based upon. In the future or oh, this is what could happen or will happen or should happen perceptions based on the past and you can't really s- occupy yourself with any of those perceptions for very long without experiencing some suffering some sense of incompleteness there's the past, you linger with that for a while, you know, oh that was good, good, oh that was so nice when they happened there's a sense of you know, loss or regret Oh dear, that was a shame that happened. Loss, regret. If you linger on perceptions of the future, it tends to resolve into, well, oh, what if, and could I, and will I? You know, certain restlessness and worry, or even anxiety. What will happen to me in 10 years' time if I don't get one of these? If I don't get a job, if I don't get a partner, if I don't get a house, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to this body when I'm 85? You know? Oh dear. So if you linger on perceptions of the future, it tends to come into these, these places. Perceptions of yourself, you know, and perceptions of others. So these are typical topics of perception. And they, they bring with them certain qualities of feeling. So this also, we could say, is an aspect of, of what we generally in English call our feeling world perceptions of the gardener who turns up late conceptions of the driver who's always never filling the car up with petrol when he should do perceptions of others who aren't quite the way I want them to be perceptions of myself who isn't quite the way I'd like her or him to be see what I mean? It could be just little, that was a piece, I, re- I really blew it then, didn't I? <laughs> you know, pieces like that. Mm. Uh? <clears throat> or this perceptions of myself being hurt or abused. Well, there is again. Mm. So these are, the, whatever the narratives that, that spin out around these particular top, topics, these perceptions. And they bring with them uh, feeling. And very often what happens in this process is that the chitta which is experiencing this realm begins to project its scenarios onto the sense world like, oh he reminds me of this is not necessarily conscious, but there's a always oh, one of those. So yeah you know oh it's another one of those gardeners who you can't trust them. <laughs> You see what I mean? You know, we, we easily take this this blueprint and begin to turn it out onto the ongoing, apparent outside world. So then it seems to be confirmed. the the third aspect of what we would call generally feeling is is um so activation, reaction. You know, you see the thing; it reminds you of this. You jump. You hear the sound; it reminds you of this. You jump. You see the image; it must mean this. You jump. You feel the feeling; oh, I've got to do that. You jump. You, know, you hear; you get that strange wobbly emotion. Oh, it's that again. You jump.
1: Yeah.
0: This is jumping, sankara, or you push, or you recoil. Or that activation this is this is the piece. Now in practice what we're beginning to recommend is this sankhar itself is the piece the jumpy piece is the piece to work with. It's not easy to clear perceptions. Yeah. You know I wish I could have a perception of myself in a more, more gracious way. And so, you know, I want to like myself, be nice to myself, not have a bad impression of myself, have a good perception of myself. Yeah, it'd be nice. But the main thing is when we don't, when there isn't a constant reaction to those perceptions, they begin to lose their power. Now, you know, this is the piece that we don't necessarily know that the perceptions, just like the thoughts, take, become, take their reality, their density, their power from an activity that lies underneath them. And the, uh, yeah, this is this activation, the activation which is doing often quite simple things Jumping away from, jumping into, wanting to hold, wanting to fix, wanting to change, wanting to something to be another way. Yeah, it's that. And that is what keeps drenching these perceptions in more energy. So, you know, okay, there's an example if I perception myself as being, I don't know, you know. What do I say? I kind of tend to have lost a lot of them. (laughs) But maybe something that can come up for us is that, particularly the people of a compassionate nature, is you you feel you have this perception of that you're not doing enough to help. It's generally the case with compassionate people, people who are trying to help. Not doing enough to to help. I always see another problem. I've got to fix another one. Uh, you know, the problem solver. That particular quality comes up. You know? mm-hmm. And there's a perception of oneself as not doing enough, being slow, not accomplishing enough, not getting things done. Another problem to solve. That perception of the of a kind of a self that's constantly trying to, you know, and isn't getting it, isn't making it, this one. Uh, and it, so it starts to, we start to activate more to get more things done or to find out how we can more effective or efficient or make people happy or make things right, you know. So we st- the activation, we still buy into that and keep activating. So that person actually... Though we imagine that will that will arrive at a feeling at the sense of oh right I've got it all done, it doesn't, because it's like you you the activation keeps that perception alive. So even though you do more, the perception of not having done enough still remains there, and there's another thing you haven't done. So you know certainly as a in my life I can think of. Well, I haven't. First of all, I didn't didn't know properly all the training rules, so I learned I get those learned. But then there are sub commentaries on the training rules, sub sub commentaries on the training rules. So you study more and more. Oh well, it's all that. And it just goes on and on, and you still don't feel you're really pure. <laughs> and then there's whatever the chanting is or the meditation is, and you still don't feel you've really got it together. A bit, you know somebody else has gone into some deeper finer space he didn't make that one either. And then um, you know you've got to you know run the monastery and teach things and you never quite do enough in that either. Mm-hmm. And at the same time you've got to relax and look cheerful <laughs> 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 because surely. You know, you're supposed to walk. You're supposed to be looking relaxed and enlightened, and there you are. <laughs> you haven't done that either. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I think I do okay, but I can sense those those kind of tendencies. In way, back off. just careful now. <laughs> We're trying to aim at being a satisfactory self here. Uh, Danger signal. So then these, these, these simple characteristics like impermanence, not self and unsatisfactoriness become actually tremendous warning signs because here you are trying to arrive at being a satisfactory, complete person, solidly permanently satisfied all the time, doing the perfect work, getting everything done, making everybody happy. And you when you blow it up like you think, what a farce. Of course you can't. <laughs> you know, you kind of bring it out. And you say, what what was doing that? Yeah. And so you begin to question that. And how much one's craving behind it? And you sort of begin to see the uh the, par- the, the whole myth of success and failure is something that doesn't have to get you going anymore. There's no success, there's no failure. There, yeah. There's no achievement and no failure to achieve. Once you come out of that piece of mythology success, failure, achievement, non-achievement, you know, come out of that, Those percept- you deactivate that, those trigger points, those perceptions, you're not interested in it anymore. You're, you're um, withdrawing your energy from that. Now that may seem like, well, you just give up on life, but no, when, you, when your energy is withdrawn from that, then you do what you do because of purity and you're not asking for results anymore. And naturally, the collected mind, its nature is to radiate. It does it for you. We don't have to establish these perceptions of ourselves as being any of it. So, even our talents, be careful about that. This was given. Just like this body was given, I didn't create it. This body was formed life forms, energies, parents, earth, air, food, water. I didn't make this thing. I'm always Complaining about it all the time. (laughs) It was given. When I take it as my possession, then I start to, oh, I don't like this bit. But it was given. Did you create it? Hmm? If you don't create it, how can you say you own it? How can you say, if it, was, if it was given to you, how can you say how it should be? What is it that does that? Hmm? Similarly, you know, the uh, energies of compassion, kindness, clarity, are they some copyright? That These are just mine, nobody else has them, I generated them all. Couldn't one just be grateful for... There was a little bit of compassion. Oh, how wonderful. You know, and this is something that human beings experience. There was some sense of courage, some sense of patience that happened in this one. How beautiful. This was a gift. It was all a gift. And when there's no appropriation of that, when there's no selfing around it, this gift can... Be what a gift is. Mm. Arising, mysterious, surprising, flowing, offered.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Turns life inside (coughs) out. So the path arises from the cessation of suffering, the cessation of the conflict, the path arises of wisdom, compassion, sharing, and so forth. And the path arises from that. It becomes our, our, our manifestation of Dhamma. Nobody owns it. Nobody appropriates it. So, we come back to this sticking point in the heart. Essentially, it's the, these perceptions, these activations around what comes, what comes up, and instead of splitting off from it with various tendencies of ill will, or acquisition, or craving, or hoarding, or whatever, we well, just meet that which arises and embrace it simply putting it very simply it's just a simple way of expressing this uh, deconstruction of you know, stop splitting off embrace that which arises and uh, see what it, what it does when that occurs see what shifts that occurs. This is the alchemy. So let's pause there.